Welcome to today's podcast from Sherwood Baptist Church. For more information on Sherwood or Pastor Michael Catt, visit our website at SherwoodBaptist.net. And now, here's Pastor Michael Catt. Norma Wong wrote a book exposing the agenda of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime. She sent the book to a German publisher. It was rejected. She sent the book to an American publisher, and it was intercepted by the political system. She fled to London for her life. The book made its way into the hands of Heinrich Himmler, who was one of the Nazi hangmen. And in the process of trying to get back at her for writing this scathing analysis of Hitler's agenda, her seven closest friends were imprisoned and threatened for death. 1939, she returned from London to Germany. She presented herself before the German officials and offered to give her life in exchange for the lives of her seven friends. Himmler said that he would gladly empty the entire prison if only she would change the direction of her book and she would write a positive, glowing report on Adolf Hitler. She responded with these words, I am willing to forfeit my life, but I am not willing to forfeit my beliefs. I am willing to forfeit my life, but I am not willing to forfeit my beliefs. What is your statement of faith today? What is it that you say, this is where I stand, this is what I believe, these are the non-negotiables, the uncompromising facts of my life, these are the convictions that I hold, these are not my opinions that can be swayed by time or events or money or anything else, but these are the things that I hold true. These are the issues about which I am willing to die for. These are the things that are non-negotiable for me, not even open to debate and discussion. I want to talk to you this morning about a man of integrity, the leader in his integrity. Nehemiah was a leader with integrity. And when I think of Nehemiah, I think of him as an Old Testament example of the New Testament account in Acts chapter 11. The scripture is there in your notes where after the persecution from the stoning of Stephen, that the Christians went to Antioch and Serene, and there they lived for a year, and they did their business, and they were first called Christians at Antioch. The word called is used nine times in the New Testament. It has to do with one's vocation, how one carries out their business. And as the world looked at these Christians... They evaluated them and, and scoped them out and watched them observe their behavior as they had moved into this community. And the word that came to mind was Christian, little Christ. And the word called meant that as they looked at them, they had jobs and businesses and shops, but it seemed their vocation was lifting up Jesus Christ. For us to be a person of integrity... For us to be people of integrity, we have to be people that when the world looks at us, it seems that our business is to live the life of Jesus Christ in this world. For God to use us as a holy example in an unholy world. For God to use us as salt in a corrupt world and light in a dark world. 
that God has something for us to do, that when people observe us and watch our lives, they come to the conclusion that person is a Christian. That's interesting that the early church did not give themselves this name. The world gave them this name. One of the most damaging things I think that can happen to a church and to the cause of Christ is for someone to say they are a Christian and then to live in a different way. To come to church and worship on Sunday and for your neighbors and your work associates to say, oh, they're a member of Sherwood Baptist Church, and then to go to work and say, but it doesn't make any difference in their lives. Whatever it is they do on Sunday, they get over it by Monday morning. It's different. They have a, a, a lifestyle that is not consistent with what they are professing. But I find hope in Nehemiah chapter 5. Beginning in verse 14, these two verses give us insight into a man of integrity. Here's a man who understood that if you have integrity, it affects your life, your family, your business, every decision that you make. Look at beginning in verse 14. Moreover, from the day that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, for 12 years, neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's allowance, food allowance, but the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. In other words, the 40 shekels were their taxes, but they were taking more than they needed so that the governor could live like he wanted to. Even their servants domineered the people. Now underline this, but I did not do so because of fear of God. I did not do so because of the fear of God. Now there are four conclusions that I come to about integrity. This is not in your notes. Number one, God expects it. At least 23 times in the scriptures, the word integrity is used. God expects us to be people of integrity, to walk our talk, for our life and our lips to match up. So if we call ourselves Christians, he expects the world to be able to look at us and say, yep, that's what they are. God expects it. Number two, it's a heart matter. It's a heart matter. It's not about legalism. It's not about keeping rules. It's a matter of what's inside of you coming out in the world in which you live. Number three, there are blessings if you have integrity. There are blessings that come if you have integrity. And number four, there are consequences if you don't. There are consequences if you don't. Now, here's what was going on in the context of Nehemiah chapter 5. He says for 12 years he never compromised his integrity, nor any of the people who worked with him, nor any of his, his staff or any of his kinsmen or his family. They, they did not take the food allowance. He didn't even take what was his to take, number one. But the governors before him were taking what was theirs to take, all their allowances, and on top of that, taking more, because no matter what the economy, no matter what the condition of the people, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how poor they were, the governor's mansion was going to be equipped with the best. I remember a stunning thing that I did when I was a grade school boy. I grew up in Mississippi, the poorest state in the United States. I mean, people are dirt poor. The average median income of the entire state is below $15,000 a year. And in this poor state, I took a tour of the governor's mansion. And in the governor's mansion in Jackson, Mississippi, you will find every faucet in that mansion 
is 24 karat gold. While people are starving and living in homes with dirt floors, the governors of Mississippi have continually made sure that they have life in the fast lane. Now, what's the problem with that? Everything's the problem with that. These governors before Nehemiah had made sure that no matter how bad it was for the common man, they weren't affected. No matter how bad the economy, no matter how deep the crisis, they would not be effective. And Nehemiah said, everybody's doing it, but I didn't. I did not do that. And there are three principles here that you need to understand if you're going to have a life of integrity. Number one, there's an attitude to man maintain. There's an attitude to maintain. Notice that he just simply said, I did not. Here's the law of leadership. The foundation for all decision-making is personal integrity built on a biblical lifestyle. Personal integrity built on a biblical lifestyle. You see, some people are afraid to do that. They want other people to like them. We're kind of like puppy dogs. We want everybody to pat us on the back and tell us we did good. Some people don't live a life of integrity because of peer pressure. They're worried about caving in to what people think about them. Others, when in Rome, you do as the Romans do. But here's a man who said, everybody else was doing this. All those who went before me were doing this. In fact, the people probably assumed, even though Nehemiah claimed to be a godly man, was a man of prayer, had great leadership and organizational skills, that somewhere, somehow, he was still doing the same thing the other governors had done because it was acceptable practice. But he said, I did not. You see, we live by a different standard than the world lives by. We are to be holy because He is holy. We are to live as Christ would live. We are to walk as He would walk. We are to renew our minds. We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. There is a different standard for believers. And the world should be able to examine us and say they're different. Now here's what the world does. The world will excuse cheating, stealing from your business. They'll excuse some things and make black and white into gray areas. They will allow for immorality. They will allow for unethical business practices. They will allow for backstabbing because after the, oh, this is a dog-eat-dog, everybody-look-out-for-themselves world. But the Word doesn't allow for that. The Word that we live by does not excuse that behavior. And here's something you and I must understand if we're going to have a witness in the world. The world places a higher standard on Christianity than many Christians do. The world places a higher standard on Christianity than many Christians do. They expect us to be different. If you say you're a Christian, if you say you're a member of a church, they expect you to do business. They expect you to live by a different set of rules than they live. And when you don't, it's an excuse for them, I don't need the gospel, it doesn't make any difference. The world expects a different behavior out of us. There is an attitude to maintain. I did not. Secondly, there is a motive to inspire us because of the fear of God. Because of the fear of God. Now, Psalm 1, How blessed is man who does not walk in the path of sinners nor stand in the seat of scoffers nor sit in the seat of the scornful. God says there's a life that you're supposed to live. He says that if you want to ascend to the hill of the Lord... You have to have clean hands and a pure heart. You see, your heart is revealed by what your hands do. It's not just what you say, it's what you find yourself doing. 
It's living up to your word. It's being a person of integrity. It is knowing that the scripture says without holiness, no man can see God. You see, there's a a motive that inspires us, and that's the fear of God. The only motive that will make you do what's right is knowing you've got to answer before God one day for what you do. You, You see, the motivation for the Christian is not, I'm afraid I'll get caught. The motivation for the Christian is, after what God has done for me, and after what God has saved me from, I can't do anything else but have a life of integrity. After what I've been delivered from, after what God has forgiven me of, I must live a life of integrity because I don't want to bring shame to the Lord. I don't want to bring retribution to His name. I walk the straight and narrow road not because I'm legalistically bound to do it. I do it because of the love of God constrains me and keeps me from doing some things that I would normally do because of the fear of the Lord. We must all stand, Paul says, before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the works done in our body. 1 John four seventeen is a great verse. If you want to memorize it, it's very simple. As he is, so are we in this world. Nine words. It'll take everything that the God of heaven can do in your life for you to live those nine words. As he is, nine words. So are we in this world. Nine words, three phrases, three words in each phrase. And yet it is a lifetime for us to live that way. I want to ask you something. As he is, so are you in this world. Is that true? As God is holy, as God is unblemished, as God is blameless, as God is, are you in this world? And so that affects us in five areas. Number one, do you have integrity with your people, the people you work with? Do you have integrity with them? In other words, do you do what you say you're going to do? Do you live by a higher set of standards? Do you not go with the flow, everybody's doing it, but do you live with integrity with your people? Secondly, do you have integrity with your pocketbook? With your pocketbook, with your possessions? Number three, do you have integrity with your priorities? Do you have integrity with your priorities? Are your priorities in line with seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that all these things might be added unto you? You see, where your integrity shows up is your statement of faith. You can praise God on Sunday, but if you don't praise God and live for God on Monday, your praise on Sunday was vain. You see, the integrity has to show up in our priorities. Number four, do you have integrity with your marriage partner? Do you have integrity with your marriage partner? And number five, do you have integrity in your professional life? With your professional life. Now, it's interesting to me that one of the people of integrity is one that suffered the most, and that was Job. Remember, God said, have you considered my servant Job who's blameless, upright, and fearing God? That wasn't his mother talking, that was the Lord talking. And, And Satan came and attacked, and his children died, and he lost all his possessions, And yet God said in chapter 2 and verse 3 of Job, he still holds fast to his integrity. His wife said to him after his body was struck with boils and he was suffering, she said, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But in chapter 27, verse 5 of Job, he says this, Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. Here's a man who has lost all his possessions, who has lost his children, probably wishes he'd lost his wife, but uh, he's, lost all, he's lost everything. His body is covered with sores and boils. 
his three best friends come and tell him what's wrong with his life, and he says, I don't care what happens to me, I'm not going to compromise my integrity. Let me ask you, what would it take for you to consider compromising your integrity? A dollar? A million dollars? You see, if there's a figure out there that you say, yeah, I'd compromise it, you're you're just negotiating figures, and integrity's not even an issue with you. You're just trying to decide what figure you're going to land on. What would it take for you to compromise your integrity with your marriage partner? What would it take for you to compromise your integrity with your priorities, with your pocketbook, with your dealing with people, with your professional life? You see, what has happened to us is we have developed the concept that integrity is conditional. And the reason that's happened is because in our culture, we no longer accept the Word of God as the Word of God. We no longer accept it as the the inerrant Word of God, the final truth and declaration of what's right and wrong. There are no absolutes. Everything is open to debate. Everything is open for discussion. There are no black and whites. There are no concrete areas. Dr. Havner said when, when the Lord's white sheep become dingy gray, all the black sheep feel a lot more comfortable. And that's what's happened to the church today. We are in a crisis, a corruption crisis, and it has affected every area of our society for one reason. There's no integrity. It's affected education. In education, you can read the headlines over the last year, and I just pulled out some things that have happened over the last year and just tried to search and see what are some evidences that we have no integrity in our country today. The illegal use of funds, embezzlement, molesting children, teachers having sex with sixth-grade boys and having babies by them, falsifying research records to keep grant money. In religion, television evangelists in prison for sexual misconduct, priests in prison for abusing children sexually, church elders convicted of fraud, perjury, In the government, city officials ousted for receiving favors and gifts, senators using their influence in the savings and loan industry, presidential cover-ups, sexual harassment in the military. I did a revival in Eastman two weeks ago. Dodge County, Georgia. Dodge County kind of sounds like the law, doesn't it? Do you know that the news media, the national news media, ranks Dodge County, Georgia as one of the ten most corrupt cities in America. 27 public officials in Dodge County, Georgia right now are under indictment for buying votes. And here's what one of them said. Everybody does it. We were just real open about it. Everybody does it. We were just real open about it. Why is it with a church on every corner in the buckle of the Bible Belt, somebody can buy votes and nobody says, stop it? Why do we keep putting people like that in office? I'll tell you why. The church doesn't have any integrity, so the government doesn't have any integrity. The church can't say, thou art the man, because the church is guilty of sin within its own ranks. Because we've lost integrity, the world has lost integrity. And the government is corrupt. Businesses are corrupt. There's bribery and fraud and cheating customers and and padding expense accounts and 
covering up mistakes in sports. Athletes are convicted of doing drugs and of rape, but they say they're not role models. Colleges buy off players. Fans attack opposing players as they walk out onto the field. Magic Johnson sleeps with women in every town he goes in, gets AIDS, we applaud him and give him a talk show. What's wrong? No integrity. I tell you, folks, it's wrong, and you better get concerned as God's people when our integrity has slipped so far in this country that we think Latrell Sprewell got a raw deal for trying to kill his coach. Somebody needs to be upset about that. You and I live in a world where right and wrong are mixed up and nobody knows the truth, but God's Word still has something to say about that. In entertainment... You can dial a 900 dial a sex number. Explicit sex and violence in movies. Homosexuals in lead roles on TV. Glorifying sex out of wedlock. I'm amazed at Ellen. Her show has plummeted since she came out of the closet. And she says it's because we're not tolerant of homosexuality. No, Ellen, it's because nobody wants immorality crammed down their throat every night of the week. And we're tired of that kind of stuff. You can't turn on a television show now without having a homosexual in either a major or a minor role. Why? Because there's an agenda there, and it's not an agenda of integrity. It's an agenda of immorality. And the church has so lightened up on sin that we say, well, we just need to be tolerant, and we need to be understanding. Reggie White's in a world of hurt for one reason. He told the truth. He said there's a difference between a color and making a choice to be a homosexual. Now, you can get in the debate all you want to. I'm going to tell you that God's Word says, such were some of you. Were, past tense. You got saved. You got delivered from that lifestyle. God's Word says, integrity says, when you get saved, we don't have homosexual priests. We don't have homosexual church members. We don't have homosexuals running around and kissing and loving on each other and saying God loves us. That is inexcusable because God's Word says you used to be that, but you got saved and you became something else. And I'm going to tell you, anybody that's been saved has been delivered. And if they hadn't been delivered, they just got religion. A lack of integrity. Families, incest in families, battered wives, Babies beaten to death and teenagers having babies and dropping them off in a dumpster. Why? There's no integrity. Why? Because we don't fear God. Now, very quickly, let me just come to the last point. There's a power to overcome. And the power is the fear of God. The, the fear of God that brings us to the cross. The fear of God that helps us to understand there's a right and a wrong. There are absolutes. There's a heaven and a hell. There's a faith that we are supposed to stand on. And that faith is uncompromising. The attitude is, I did not. The motive is the fear of the Lord. And the power comes from the Holy Spirit who says you can do all things through Christ. I don't know what you need today. But I do know one thing you need. You need integrity. I'm tired of having to defend to lost people the way Christians behave. I just wish some people would quit calling themselves Christians. You can say what you want. I mean, you can politicize this if you want to. Character matters. Integrity matters. If you're going to run around and act like a goat, at least call yourself a goat. 
But don't expect the blessings of God on your life. Character matters, folks. Nehemiah said, I could have done all of that. I could have lived like that. Everybody's doing it. I didn't. Folks, I want to tell you, if we're going to impact a world, we have to intentionally focus our lives and we have to be champions of integrity and right is right if everybody's against it and wrong is wrong if everybody's for it. And the church is going to have to raise the bar because if you're waiting on the bar to be raised at the, light, at the White House, it ain't going to happen. If you're waiting on Congress to raise the bar, it's not going to happen. If you're waiting on the school system to raise the bar, it won't happen. If the bar is going to be raised and an integrity is going to come back to the forefront of our culture, one group of people have got to do it, and that's those of us who call ourselves Christians. And we either need to be it or we need to shut up and quit telling people we're Christians and then acting like the world acts. Because it's not helping the cause of Christ, it's not helping you either. Because we all stand before God. We're all judged before God. Nehemiah could stand before God on the day he died and said, Lord, nobody in my family, nobody on my staff, nobody around us ever did what we could have done because we feared you. Or we could have done it. It's acceptable. And by the way, sin is going to become more acceptable, not less acceptable. The day of the Judeo-Christian ethic is over. Christians are now going into the closet. Christians are the ones being persecuted. But somewhere, somebody has got to stand up, and it doesn't have to be a crazy Southern Baptist preacher. Somebody's got to stand up in a workplace somewhere and say, we're not going to do business that way. And I'd rather be without a job, and I'd rather be out of business than do what is acceptable and not have a heart that is right with God. I want to be acceptable to God, not to my work associates, not to the culture, not to the ethics of the day. I want to be acceptable in the eyes of God and do what's pleasing to Him. I'm going to tell you, folks, if we get to be that way, we'll be the lighthouse of this community. But as long as we think those are negotiable subjects, we can never touch this community like we need to. It is never right to be wrong. And it is never right to compromise your character or your integrity to keep a job or to get a job. It's never right to go out on a limb when you know in your heart God is not pleased with that. Better to starve and stand before God clean than go before God fat and happy. But everything you've done, wood, hay, and stubble, and burned up. Thanks for listening to today's podcast from Sherwood Baptist Church and Pastor Michael Gett. For more information about Sherwood, you can visit our website at sherwoodbaptist.net. If you live or visit in the Albany area, we invite you to worship with us here at Sherwood. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.